0: Hello, welcome to the Town Hall Academy. Carm Capriato here as we continue to explore growing branch stores. You know, growth in stores is an exciting strategy. It can be rewarding for all the right reasons. And it could be the most costly and hardest thing you've ever done. Two guests share their reality for growth right here. Between them, they've got eight stores.
1: But I think a lot of single store owners, and myself included, we kind of want to be the hero of the operation. And if you're going multi-store, I think that's something you need to deal with right away.
0: Welcome automotive aftermarketers to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey friends, Carm Capriato here, the Aftermarket Podcast Guy, and welcome to our weekly roundtable, the Town Hall Academy with Aftermarket Professionals. Now, glad to welcome you to the place where the voices, ideas, and insights that are shaping the future of the automotive aftermarket reside. Hey, I want to thank Jasper Engines and Transmissions for making the Town Hall Academy free for you. Now, when faced with options for your customer's engine or transmission failure, rest assured that a remanufactured drivetrain product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions will give your customer's vehicle a brand new lease on life. Go to JasperEngines.com for more information. Hey, as always, thanks for sharing and for listening on your favorite free podcast listening app. Now, I continue to hear that the podcast is an important and very powerful resource as we hold conversations with outstanding aftermarket professionals. We are talking about the why, how, and what of business success with a bunch of technology and leadership lessons thrown in for good measure. Now, please join the ecosystem. Come on, get on board and get the skinny on every new release at remarkableresults.biz/slash-insider. It's my email list. Love to have you on. Hey, here with our two voices that have grown branch stores and they tell a story you need to hear. Find out if they were successful right out of the gate, what they learned as they continued to grow, the importance of people, processes, finances, and their growth strategy, and by that I mean is it a brownfield like a scratch startup or through acquisition? Listen to Austin Miller from Tire Star with three stores, who is only 29 years old, and aftermarket veteran Jeff Moore from Moore Tires with five stores. Jeff and Austin will tell you what they believe is the most important thing you need to do well before you decide to grow, and they both agree on that. They also get into the people factor and the importance and strength of your profitability before you ever decide to add a branch store don't make the same mistakes they did hey everybody carm capriato town hall academy 12 noon east coast time as we do this each and every friday good to have you by summer's over with can you believe that now it's time to get a branch store (laughs) Why not? (laughs) You crazy guys. Hey, I'm glad to have you here. You know, we're going to talk about going from a single store to multi-store or from multi-store to a whole bunch of stores here today. You're looking to grow or you may be selling and you want to hear what these guys that want to buy branches are thinking about. But more important than ever is that you need a commitment of time, people and money in order to grow And that's kind of what we're here to talk about. So, Jeff, I want to really kick it off with you. You had told me uh, on the phone this week that you recently had a meeting with a peer about opening a second store, and you had an extremely blunt reply.
2: Yes. There's a sort of a misconception that uh, if you're doing great with your first store, that the second store will be a piece of cake, you know, and then we went through this experience back in the nineties, a little over 20 years ago, we was just booming here at our main single store, 20% year over year growth, you know? So you, you're just thinking, man, we got this down. It's, it'll be no problem. You mean you're untouchable, right? Whatever you touch yeah. is going to turn to gold, right? Yeah, exactly. And we went out with a uh, total blinders on and, uh, overwhelmed, to say the least. And uh, we, we stuck with it for probably five years. And before we threw in the towel, because we had such tremendous growth, we did not have a process and procedure set in place for that second store. Because of the massive growth at our single first store, we did not help them, you know, and sort of threw them out there to the wolves. And and it, it suffered because of that and uh, so we we regrouped we closed that and had some key personnel brought it back to our uh, first store and uh, for quite a few years we we said you know one store is enough we we got enough going on enough balls in the air we got plenty to do without having to add that second store did you lose any money yeah, big time. It, uh, that was probably fifty thousand a year for five years, so two hundred fifty thousand. You know, and and again, that all fell back on the first store as far as where that money came from. And uh, just like you referred to, Carm, is that we think we're the golden child, and you know, we whatever we do, we're going to have that pot of, of cash coming in that we'll just keep taking it to the bank. And and that wasn't the well, case. Well,
0: thank you for being so honest. So transparent to give us a number, which is shuddering. I, I wish you could probably have that in the bank somewhere growing growing trees for you, but okay, so you didn't and you learned from it, but still now you're up at five stores, so you've gotta figured out how to break the code Now, Austin, did you realize? And learn maybe from the mistakes of previous people did you kind of put your ear to the ground and ask some other people and says hey i want to grow and of course jeff would say you're crazy you're nuts don't do this and then you said no but i'm young enough and i I can do this and uh, can you share a little of the experience that you had in the decision to grow to number two now remember you've got three but that number two growth is like the biggest thing you could ever possibly do besides have a baby or get married right
1: (laughs) close yes close going into that we definitely you know gave it a lot of thought probably the biggest thing that helped me with store number two is it was profitable uh when i bought it not super profitable but at least it was making a little bit of income uh the previous owner stayed on for a few months to transition
2: it
0: jeff did you buy a going business or did you put up a a, a grassroots up
2: grassroots and uh, um good personnel uh, but we just didn't have the process and procedures. So that was the first, second store. We want
0: to hear that in a minute, but Austin, I, I wanted to clarify that, you know, he did a, he did a brownfield, if you will, and, and you bought a going business. Okay, keep going.
1: Correct. And I think that really helped us starting out because there was business there. Just one day we switched bank accounts and uh, we made money from the very first month. Uh, and that made that second store be a lot easier than it would have been if we would have started from scratch. That was monumental for us. We hit the ground running with that store, and we never had a month that uh, we didn't make an income since we bought it, and that's been huge in growing the business and going to three stores.
0: Did you bring the processes that you had so perfectly refined at the first store to the second right away?
1: I wouldn't call them perfectly refined at that point in time. <laughs> now, I would maybe say it's a I was
0: putting my tongue in my cheek when I said that because don't we all find everybody that that's the biggest challenge, right?
1: Yeah, I would say so, and that's definitely a work in in progress. We try really hard to to work on that every single day. I feel like we did we did bring a lot of positive change back then. Looking back, I wouldn't say that it was perfect. <laughs> And it's still not today, but we're we're in the pursuit of perfection.
2: I truly feel if we know what we know today, back in 1997 or whatever, same people, same location, we would have made that store uh, successful. We've learned from our mistakes, and uh, process and procedures uh, have uh, really expanded. And if we was to do it again at that a uh, store. And uh, with those personnel, we, it would have been a successful storm.
0: I've talked to a few people recently that says, hey, I really want to expand, but I'm so weak on my processes and, and my systems. And, you know, I've heard an, uh, from enough of you all that have expanded. And I do like to share that. You, you you can't expect that you're going to have that golden touch and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like what the Wizard of Oz would say, you know, it's just, just going to happen. Mind melt with my people. They know exactly what to do, when to do it. Uh, so So, it comes down to a thought about personnel and how to staff a place if the systems and the processes are good when so, so you make a deal, you get ready to buy a place, and you know you've got a three month window to close, you know potentially negotiate and close. Do you start hiring people and bring them in the main store so that when when you open on day one you you stuff it and even though you had people Austin when you uh, were there. If you were buying a going business, would you still put your key people that you've been grooming at store one into store two?
1: I would say absolutely. We did that both times we expanded. And I thought that really helped us because we had someone that knew how we did things. And we were able to just transition them into the store that was opening. And I think that really helped give us momentum starting off.
2: Our best employees, Carm, is uh, from within those are the ones uh, that we have moved up and, and excelled with. Uh, one of the problems we have is our main store is sort of a I want to call a superstore in my mind, but uh, we got 40 plus employees here. What happens is we take our key players and move them forward and we have to always give them that opportunity but it, it does sort of rock our world at the, at the main store because now, We have those superstars, those rock stars uh, that we need to replace. And that's hard to do.
0: Forty people at one place.
2: It's a lot of balls to juggle, you know. I
0: bet you. Now, what I just heard you say and confirm if I'm right or wrong is that the main store is the proving ground. And you look for those superstars. Is it to the point where I got so many great superstars in the main store, I need to get another branch so that I can keep this guy or girl?
2: That's exactly the second time around you know uh, when that opportunity came for store number two uh in two thousand fourteen elderly couple in their seventies uh, uh long time family business uh sixty plus years uh they was looking to retire, so they had good personnel had good facilities, and uh, we had keep key personnel here so What I've learned, uh, DSP 20 Group has been awesome for myself, and I think Austin Austin can speak for that also. What I've learned from the 20 Group is there's a lot of times 20 different opinions, you know. No, wait a minute. Let me stop you, Jeff.
0: There's 250,000 shops, say, in the U.S., whatever the number is, and there's 250,000 different ways to run an independent automotive shop, so <laughs> I can't imagine the all the stuff incoming.
2: Yeah, what's and what's cool in the twenty group is uh, people that are have uh, accepted the practices and put it into place. Uh, there's twenty great ideas, you know. So there's not bad suggestions in there, and uh, so we all learn from that. So and so we all sort of pick our ways and our benchmarks and and tailor it to our needs but in this uh store number two the second time around we had two key personnel we call our leaders here i felt paid uh, rather well you know but you always worry about losing key personnel so uh this opportunity came and i said you to these two key personnel which is brock and greg uh, do you want to get involved financially? Because at that point, any financial funds that they would put into store one would not have been a very substantial share. So to have some real meat in the business, store number two was an opportunity. Um, and my wife, Angie, who is also my partner from day one. And, uh, I don't know if she realized what she was getting into when she married me, but, uh, uh, she uh, and myself did not want to take on this challenge of store number two. And I got to be careful to keep Angie and Austin's wife, Lisa, not sitting together too often because I think uh, they'd like, they'd like to reel Austin and I in sometimes, you know, so.
0: But you will go kicking and screaming the other way.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: You're having too much fun, right?
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, so on that uh, store uh, number two, uh Greg and Brock come up, uh, of course, we wanted to take 51% control uh, of the new store. And uh, Brock and Greg come up with the 49%. And so they invested in store number two in 2014 uh, that had a manager in place because of the 70 plus year old were uh, not running day-to-day operations. So, and they had good personnel, good facilities. So uh, we stepped into that one um, as a partnership with the new LLC. And I caught uh, golden handcuffs on my key personnel. Now they got skin in the game. They can't just uh, uh, exit and come and go with, it's been a great relationship with our two leaders. That was a good launching pad. And by that time, we had a lot of process and procedures in place because in by 2014 we had four years of good meetings with 20 group members and uh, a lot of process and procedures uh, so that that made it a lot uh, smoother transition on that second time around.
0: You also had the nightmare of the of the, th- those years of losses from from first attempt at. Number two. Question about your partners. What are their roles in the in the second store?
2: Second store, one of the things was uh, we cannot make store number one suffer. we're We're not gonna uh, rob Peter to Pay Paul, which was easy to do because we had good help at the second store. So um, we each sort of uh, tried to make a visit once a week down there you know, with that second store, Uh, take our turns and and just check it out. Did they work
0: at that store or were they just, they they worked at store one, but they had, they had skinny and equity in it.
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, Which which is hard to do.
0: What are their roles currently then in store number
2: one? They had their hands full. They had to maintain one of the uh, factors of doing this. They had to maintain their individual goals and, and and duties at store number one. So so Brock, he was inventory management and shop manager. He oversaw probably 20-some employees. And Greg was our number one sales. Uh, he, he rocked our world on the sales side of it and ran our service trucks at uh,
0: that knowledge built in, and they knew they had equity in the in the second store, they brought their talent into that store without working there though, yeah got it yeah. cool now talk about working hard, uh, Austin uh, did you ever find yourself trapped in your business and not paying enough attention to to the rest of the world in your three stores?
1: Uh, most definitely, our first store is also our biggest store, and what would happen is with the second store starting out, if we got super busy at the first store, I would just get buried in the day to day tasks, you know, writing service, making sure everything was getting done because of of the size of the store. And by you were doing the fallback that, guy, I was you
0: made yourself the fallback guy because you loved to do that, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, that's how it was. <laughs> Looking back, I I see that that wasn't wise, but that would be some advice for someone going ahead is, can you step away from your first store and things continue to go? Or is that first store going to take a a hit when you step back?
0: So you can't be the centerpiece of your business if you want to grow because you know you're going to get pulled in many other directions and you really don't want your role in your first store to suffer. So it's tough, Jeff, I'm sure. I mean, think about the size of your business to find the talent that you currently have and give up your responsibilities? Because here's a great question. If there was anything that you had to do and never have to worry about it, what do you love to do in the business? Is it marketing? Is it wrenching? Is it counter?
2: I l- love working in the shop as far as uh, it, it's like a huge football team, you know, and and I sort of like to do the play calling. And I, I don't like to carry the ball and I don't like to be the, the main tackler, but I, I love to uh, make the play calls and, and and see the shop rock and roll as far as uh, the car count and so things. you love
0: being in charge of triage? That would be a good way to put it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And, and every once in a while, do you find yourself doing that just to have some fun?
2: Yes, at uh, Get Away, at uh, um, the Hardest thing for me is I I have a tendency to put on weight if I sit at the desk too too much. <laughs> so we we need to get out and get some steps. And and it helps me constantly. Like Austin says, we're constantly working on processing and procedures, trying to improve the processing and procedures. And and the best way to do that is to get in the middle of it and see. So even at this store that's been here uh, 28 years now. We're, we're changing a lot. We, we've changed a lot in the last year, it, uh, and then we try to get that down to the other stores, and, and of course, we're always pushing other stores to come up with new uh, ideas, best ideas, and practices.
0: Carm here with Adam Christmas, customer service group leader here at Jasper Engines. Hi. Hi, Carm. So many customers that I know that buy Jasper say that you've got the best customer service department in the industry.
1: The customer is the most important part of our business. Without the customer, the production, the sales, none of it really matters. You have to treat your customers like their family, like they're the most important part of your business because they are. Trying to match wits with the customer isn't going to get you anywhere. You're there to help them; they're there to help you. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, a lot of companies forget that the customers the entire reason for their business.
0: Does your team here understand that the customer that you're talking to actually is trying to solve one of their customers' problems?
1: We make sure that our technicians understand that the vast majority of customers calling in are trying to get another customer on the road. And we have to make sure that we understand not only are they on a time constraint, but so are we to get that third party back on the road.
0: Hey, thank you, Adam. A member of the 100% associate-owned company at jasperengines.com. Austin, so here's the deal. You're ready for your branch number two. Any second thoughts that the systems and the processes were strong enough to move? And then did you have to do anything about it?
1: Back then... I don't think uh, that was as much of a system and a process guy. I thought, well, if I can do it at one store, I can do it at two stores. Probably what saved me is that the store was running, albeit not at a high profit, it was running, and that helped. But it did it did make me realize that we needed to have some systems and processes. Uh, probably noticed it more with a third store. Now, it's really critical for all the stores to have a similar system and process role. And so I probably noticed it more with store three than I did with store two.
0: Any sleepless nights? Many. (laughs) What do you wake up and think about?
1: Lately, it it hasn't been too bad, but in the past it's been liability. When you have three stores, you can't be at at each store at the same time. So you're putting a lot of trust into your people. Uh, I have great employees. It's really been most of the reason why I've been able to grow, but probably some of the liability and just letting that all rest. Letting, I I always want to do everything myself and just trusting that to everyone else and, you know, being okay with that.
0: If you had not grown, would you be able to say what you just said to me? You know, I always wanted to be the center of everything and and because now that you have three stores, has it has it allowed you to get leadership training out to the field to step back, watch, and be proud of your people is Has that happened for you?
1: Yeah, I would say it's forced me to, and looking back, I would have wanted that a lot quicker, but I think a lot of single store owners and myself included, we kind of want to be the hero of the operation. And if you're going multi-store, I think that's something you need to deal with right away because you won't be able to be the main guy. You don't want to be the main guy. You want your team to be able to step up and take care of business and basically transition out of the day-to-day.
0: But naturally, you're putting this money out. You're carrying some new debt. Uh, Who else is going to make sure everything gets paid if it wasn't you. And and I think, isn't that a natural thing that happens? We, we have to, if you will, fall on the bomb, cover it up.
1: Yeah, I would agree. When we started store number three, I put myself on the counter because I thought this has to succeed. You know, this can't fail.
0: You didn't learn anything from store two?
1: <sighs> Unfortunately, not enough to pull me off the counter. Wow. <laughs> but going okay. forward, I I would definitely not take a counter roll. It took someone from the outside saying you have to get off the counter to finally make me see that that's what needed to
0: happen. It almost goes to show you that, you know, you learn a lot from number two. You take some of that learning into store three, but not enough, (laughs) right, Jeff? And now here we are, you know, Jeff, you were at five and like you you don't have to, you probably don't even have to be at, at work today.
2: You know, have also have great employees, and uh, they all have uh, the ability to satisfy the customer. And uh, usually, when I get the phone call, the the fire's pretty large. You know, because they can, they employees can put out the small fires. Uh, so, I, yes, it is that uh, we have great employees, and it's it's not too often that I get that phone call. Back to that conversation about why do we want to grow? And this is a conversation Angie and I have had a lot over the years that uh, physically back in the beginning, uh, Jeff and Angie had to do it all, you know. Um, and then I said, as I get older, that uh, if we're going to maintain this, uh, I physically, my body's physically not going to be able to go and, and do it at all. So we, in order to maintain our uh, sales and grow. We have to get good people. We have to grow. And uh, uh, have we now have opportunities for uh, great employees to, to move up uh, with our growth. And uh, back to that blunt conversation with the fellow member, you're going to rock your world when you go to store number two, because uh, the process to get it set up is there's just no easy way around it. It's going to take hours. And uh, if you have great people, hopefully two to six months, you have it up and so where you can get your life back a little bit. But and then I think, Austin, you can probably speak to this. But in the beginning, there's just no easy way around it as far as workload to get those stores up and running.
1: I would agree. Uh, I would plan on lots of hours. I still work a minimum of 66 hours a week and. I don't see that changing in the near future. Uh, I don't think it's something you should do if you want to work a 40-hour work week, at least not starting out. I think it can get to that, but I think it's going to take a lot of time each time you expand.
0: Don't kid yourself. You're going to be all in, but be careful you don't Force yourself to be doing things that you hire people to do, you, I mean you really you need to be the visionary, the strategic person you're pulling levers on systems, you're testing systems, you're making sure that they work, you're monitoring your financial your margins, all your all your kPIs. I mean somebody's got to do that. somebody shouldn't be bringing on a, a new customer.
2: yeah, and you'll see that your your role sort of shifts from a physical role when you start adding uh, to store to more of a coach. You know, and and doing just what you said, Karma, as far as checking KPIs and uh, making sure the process and procedures are being followed. So so physically, but the mental strain is there, you know, as far as uh, the stores. And uh, it's sort of ironic uh, when we added stores three, four and five, a fellow peer was thinking about expanding and he was about the same age as me. And I told him, do not do it. You know, I, I told him. Uh, bluntly, to not do this. And the reason being of his situation, he was in a great uh, two-store situation already and making great money. Um, and from my eyes, he did not have a succession plan or people to to help him take the workload. He was going to have to do it at his age. And I said, it's going to rock your world and you're not. It's it's not going to recover why well, I feel we're a little bit different that we have some great employees to take on the workload. And that's, that's what happened on store three, four, and five is, uh, we took Brock the leader partner and he's, he's taken those stores under his belt and he's 10 years younger than me. So he has a little bit more energy than me. So. That's
0: something I was curious about when you grew to three, four, and five, did you include, uh, your partner's?
2: Yes, it well, was the you. same yeah, same conversation. Angie says, no way. Don't want nothing to do with it, you know, my partner. And she says, don't do it. Don't do it, man. So I'm you sweet-talked
0: her. Explain that part to me.
2: <laughs> well, I said, you know, I, I, I totally threw her under the bus because I told her, we're not going to put the workload on you because Angie handles all the back office, you know. And I said, we're going to get more help. And we got more help. But Angie has a ton more workload. So I, I got a little making up to do to her. So, but, uh, Brock and Greg were raising their hands and let's do three, four and five, you know? So, and I said, I'm not going to take that challenge on because I don't have, uh, the desire to, to do the 75 hour work weeks. And, and Brock raised his hand and says, I'll get them up. I'll get them going. And he has, And and Greg said, I'll I'll take on the store number one and make sure it's still running uh, at top notch. And then they've they've done a great job.
0: Austin, without uh, the partners like Jeff has, do you see uh, that you're building your processes and your systems and and talent so that you don't have to take on partners?
1: I would say to some extent, uh, I have really good managers. I would say in all three stores, they take... Ownership, I'm extremely lucky to have them. Uh, While they're not involved from a financial standpoint, they are 100% team players. And that has really, really helped us because no one, we always think no one will work as hard as what the owner will at making the business succeed. And I would agree to an extent, but the people I have running the stores
0: They work really, really hard. Well, the compensation package somehow has to reflect that level of responsibilities and the abilities to be profitable.
1: I would agree. I would say plan on paying your top people top dollar. They earn it. They deserve it. We firmly believe that they should be compensated very fairly.
0: What are you guys doing to bring leadership training and any kind of training to your team? Because you've got so much responsibility, a lot of mouths to feed And, you know, we just don't naturally know how to be good leaders and and diagnosticians and and all of that. A big training commitment in your companies?
2: It's a never ending battle, you know, as far as uh, a talent, you know, and and I've been in it 42 years and millennials sort of get bashed a little bit, you know. But uh, I tell everybody that we had the same problem in 1981, you know, had the same problem in 1991, you know, so that issue is just figuring out how to deal with it and we're constantly trying to strive for top-notch and talent as far as uh, uh, improve from within and uh, uh, we do look outside and uh, try to uh, find talent outside not necessarily from our industry we actually prefer talent that's not in our industry you know that have leadership qualities. So, but that's so the day I die, Carm. That's the number one battle when you, whether you're a single store or multi store, is personnel. And if you can conquer that battle, you you can take on the world. We there's all kinds of stores, buildings, tire machines, <laughs> lifts out sitting out there. But it's our our growth is totally based on people. I would say for as far as training,
1: technician training has been probably easier for us because it's been fairly readily available. NAPA offers good programs. There's other groups that offer good programs. So that hasn't been as much of a struggle. But as far as leadership training, I would say our company hasn't always done the best job. We've always, or I've always assumed, well, they'll learn how to be a good leader. And now that I'm not as involved in the day-to-day Uh, that's high on my priority list to give them the same opportunities that I've received to help me be a better leader.
0: Wow, okay. Misconceptions that people want to move to their second branch. Oh my God, I'm going to be able to spread all my costs everywhere. It's going to get easier. Can you guys share a few misconceptions so that we can rock the world of someone who's listening, who's ready to do branch two without thinking it completely through?
2: We want to make sure that two stores isn't necessarily better than one you have if you don't have your act together on store number one and have it uh really financially stable and rocking the world as far as net profit two stores is not gonna uh change your world as far as all of a sudden be more profitable if you cannot be profitable in store number one uh, you should not be thinking about store number two so Believe it or not, this sounds like a big figure, but every time we had an accident, we're an acquisition type of players. We're we're not high rollers that build from the ground up and think we have such a strong market name that we can go conquer the world by just building from the ground up. We we like to acquire uh, existing. In each acquisition, we put a hundred thousand dollars aside budget wise. That there's going to be unknown losses that are going to pop up. It's fallen true. We're writing off 100000 about unforeseen things that have popped up.
0: You know, that's great advice, Jeff. You know, a lot of people say, I've got cash reserves that if, you know, I no revenue came in, I could at least run the company for X amount of months. That's the same in concept.
2: One of the total surprises we had on uh, the last acquisition was on the phone number. Because, uh, you know, the standard contract where you take over... We're buying the assets, you know, and uh, so we got the phone number. And then after the fact, after the ink has dried, and so this is about 30 days after we got a a final notice from, I think, Frontier Telecommunications. I don't know I'm throwing nobody under the bus, but previous owners have been disputing their bill for the last three years and only paying a portion of it. So they was never cut off because of the, the payments were still coming in, but there was $50,000 past due because it was our internet and the phone. And we was given an ultimatum by the telecommunication company that either pay it up or they was going to cut us off. So And we could not, since it was two different corporations and uh, we could not forward those phone numbers, we, we did not belly up and pay that. Uh, we uh, got... All new phone numbers. That's the kind of things that just pop up. You would have never thought of in your uh, wildest dreams. So talk about a learning curve. Oh my
0: God, to verify that all that they're in good credit standing with all of their vendors.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's that's kind of stuff that pops
0: up. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Good, good advice, uh, Austin. Jeff mentions. He's in acquisition mode, that he's going to buy places. Would that be your uh, method going forward?
1: I think going forward, we want to make sure that I kind of have a strategy. We want to make sure we're never more than, so for instance, I want to have my first store paid off before I go to store three. And if I were to go to store four, I'd want to have store two paid off. But if I planned on getting another store, I would try and acquire an existing store. My first store was from the ground up and it was the hardest. I would try and buy an existing business.
0: Learned a lot. Thank you very much. But where do I get all the money to do this? So can you kind of give us an idea that if we we had our store number two, three or four in mind, how you guys look at financing? uh, What do you do? Does the owner hold paper? Do you go to the bank?
2: Uh, What do you leverage? On ours, the process starts way before you even have that store. Uh, located or in mind, and that's a good relationship with your banker. For us, we have a strong regional bank, and we have a strong P&L that we share with them. Uh, If you want to speed the process up, you share with them on a regular basis, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or biannual, rather than just annual. And then you you sort of uh, plant the seed with them that, hey, this is what I uh, have in mind, what it, what's your thoughts, you know, as far as backing us, uh, one of our, uh, acquisitions in 2006, uh, we had that discussion with the bank and told them, you know, 200,000 is what our benchmark was. Well, the asking price was 450,000, like in January. And it's like, that's typical for somebody wanting to sell is a You generally want twice as much as what it's actually worth. So the deal, I thought, was a dead deal. It wasn't going to happen. And then out of the blue, six months later, because we offered $200,000, six months later, called up, how soon can we make it happen? So we had already planted the seed with the bank, and and the bank uh, was able to make it happen uh, very quickly, you know, in 30 days, which is uh, pretty good for side of it. So, but that strong relationship with your banker prior to even thinking, uh, having a, a location picked out and personnel is that has to start way early. Great. Has anyone ever held paper for you? No, it, uh, cause we would not totally feel comfortable with that you know it, uh, in our in our situation well the now, bank
0: would probably want to do the whole loan and you know it's like you you mentioned to the bank hey listen I we're working on something and you immediately go into his sales funnel because remember banks make money off of loaning money <laughs> and so they they of course they want to do deals but they want to do good deals they want to do deals that they won't get burnt on
2: banks are profit centers like you said and uh, my history with them is they talk to you if you uh, don't need money <laughs> you know and then if you have two dollars of assets and you only want to borrow a dollar that's what they'll 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 talk to you if you have three or four dollars of asset and only need a dollar they're beating on your door so it's very important it, to think about store number two that you have your ducks in a row on store number one uh, before you even go to that bank, because you don't want to stretch yourself then on that situation.
0: Well, you know, you just said, said a mouthful. You got three or four dollars of assets and they want to loan you money. And so all of a sudden, hey, honey, let's expand the bank once it give us all the money we ever need. And, you know, you don't want to be pushed in that direction because money is available until everything we just discussed for the last 40 minutes is in place. So, Austin, tell us, uh, let's give you the last word on financing. Probably
1: what helped me the most is I share my P&L with my banker every month from, or I should say every year from my first store. Going forward, we've always focused heavily on debt reduction. We want to pay that debt off as fast as possible. Uh, I don't want to grow with a ton of debt. I want to grow you know, as safely as possible. Going forward, uh, like for store number two and store number three, we were at a position to where the second store, it, it took some doing. I thought I had to do some persuading. When it got time for the third store, it was like, how much do you need and when do you need it? And that came from having a good relationship and by also being able to turn a profit and the banker, you know, seeing that profit and, and being willing to to help out.
2: 2014, we started that uh, new LLC with our leaders. And uh, um, after five years, we'll be the first probably dividend that we'll pay out because uh, don't want people to have a misconception that second store means more money in your pocket for free spending. It, we've been plowing it all back in to growth. And, and so it, it's, it's not a cash cow in the sense of uh, free money to uh, spend while away on uh, boats and vacation homes that we've been found. In the, and so after five years, we're going to, you know, pay probably our first dividend out of that new LLC.
0: Good for you. Really smart. Hey, uh, guys, thank you so much for being here as we talked about going from single store to multi-store and the challenges that you've had. Uh, great to find out about your businesses and your strategies. Uh, Jeff Moore, Moore Tires, 5 store chain out of Rock Falls, Illinois. And my young three-store owner here, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Austin's yet 30 years old, am I right? Correct, <laughs> 29. I know, amazing, amazing, uh, you know, where you are in life at such a young age. Austin Miller, Tire Star, three stores in Walcottville, Indiana. Thanks, guys, for being here. Appreciate your input.
1: Thanks for Thanks. having us.
0: Thanks, Con.